of Tales from the Doghouse Separation Anxiety Explained. This is Stacy Bell from Focused Fun in the U.S. With us today is... Hello, this is Sarah McLaren from the U.K. Um, I'm with Separation Anxiety Solutions and with me is... Hello, I'm Ness Jones. I'm from Australia from Separation Anxiety in Dogs Decoded. And today we are very, very excited because we have a special guest. Her name name is Lisa Spector and uh, she is also in the US, but she is from My Zen Pets. And Lisa, maybe you could introduce yourself and tell us what you do. And we'll maybe start with where your journey began. Thank you, Ness. It's such an honor to be here talking about separation anxiety, one of my favorite topics because I have a good solution for that. Oh my goodness. My journey in this started as the best things in life often do by accident. This was not intentional. I didn't go to Juilliard, so I'd be playing music for dogs, but it brought me here and I'm honored and thrilled and delighted to use my music talents to help dogs. What happened is I owned a music school. This was way back in 2003. I owned a music school in my town here of Half Moon Bay, just south of San Francisco. And I was a volunteer puppy raiser for guide dogs for the blind. And I had a little adorable yellow lab puppy who was four months old. And like most lab puppies at four months old, he was pretty rambunctious. But he couldn't, I couldn't afford for him to be rambunctious while I'm teaching kids and I had a group of four-year-olds I'll never forget this I has I was studying I've always been interested I'm a musician I you know that's what I do for a living and I've always been interested is how we use sound to help our human environments and I wanted to learn how to use sound and prescriptions of music to help calm my four-year-old students help energize my 14-year-old student who came in after high school you know for his piano lesson and I started studying all the effects of how we could use sound and music. And I was learning how to focus and calm a group of four-year-olds. And it worked so well. The right prescription of classical music worked so well. And all of a sudden I look over and after a minute, my rambunctious four-month-old puppy is like snoozing. I'm thinking there's something to this. So I started working with a veterinary neurologist, Dr. Susan Wagner, and a sound researcher. I wanted to explore this field of what can we do? How can I use my music talents to help dogs? What can we do to, can it help with separation anxiety? Can it help with just calming behaviors? Can it help with other anxiety issues? And that brought me down a long path for 10 years. I was, uh, from 2008, 2018, I was devoted my career to helping dogs through 
I think 16 albums by the end for dogs and cats, and then a four album series of a Victoria Stowa on the canine noise phobia series using desensitization. And I then I took a break literally because I broke my right hand and I couldn't play the piano. Actually, my hand, my first hand therapist told me I would never play the piano again. I proved you wrong and I am playing with two hands. But while I was playing with left hand only for a couple of years, I started thinking about all the research I'd studied about sound and dogs and if they all had, they're all, there's a variety of different research results, but one thing is always in common, which is lower frequencies calm the canine nervous system. My left hand plays lower frequencies. So I thought, what can I create here that will help our dogs? And here I am back again, new company called my Zen pet, thrilled to be here. So thank you. That's my that's my story. Lisa, can we go back in time a little bit further? How did you become is it is piano your main focus? Do you play other instruments? How did you become a, a pianist in the first place? How did you get into a musical career? Good question. I was seven years old and I, like I was saying, the best things in life happened by accident. My I'm the youngest of four, but the youngest of two sisters, of two older sisters. And my grandparents bought a piano for my oldest sister, Pam. I had never heard of the piano and I never particularly heard my mom play. I don't ever remember hearing the piano before that, but the first time the piano was delivered and I'm the one, I'm the youngest and they went home, there others are in school and I hear my mom play the piano. And it was just a magnet. It just drew me in. It was like, I heard her play. And it was like, I just had a play. So I don't know why, except that I was an excessively shy child and music was a way for me. It was my voice. It was a way for me to speak. And as I got older, I didn't get any less shy until I probably had my thirties, but still I was it, it was my voice and that, you know, when I say the best things in life happen by accident, because my old, my mom was an, am, you know, she was a very talented amateur pianist and she ended up teaching Pam and Gail and I'm the youngest. I got ahead of them within weeks. They didn't like that. They quit. And I took over and I took over the living room in the house with all my sound of playing piano for all those years too. That's a beautiful story. Thanks. And then, of course, we had a dog. We had a Cocker Spaniel, as most people did. It's a family dog back then. And the Cocker Spaniel, along with every dog I've ever had since then, Gina's back here, has come by my side. Even to her last two years, she was a senior. She was deaf. Her last two years, we were in two-story house. She'd come from upstairs and come lay by my side when I was playing the piano. Yeah, that's really, that is really interesting. So it wasn't the sound. It was the vibration or whatever. I think by that point, it was probably a combination of the vibration because she couldn't hear it. And I mean, when dogs go deaf, they do it gradually, but still, you know, there's something about, like I'm talking about lower frequencies calm the canine nervous system and often relieve anxiety issues. And someone says to me, well, I play flute or I play violin and my dog always comes by. That's because that violin is part of you. It's, Dogs will do anything to be near us. They'll put us in, themselves in between a TV in one room and loud music in another just to be near us. So that's something we want to be conscious of too. I 
was with, uh, I was the co-founder of Through a Dog's Ear, which then changed into ICOM Pet in 2017. So a lot of people have heard of Through the Dog's Ears. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty um, impressive that you started that company. It was all based on my idea of this when I was raising this guide dog puppy. So what it all came from. And so I'm really fascinated because you said you talked to, was it a neuroscientist? Um, a veterinary neurologist. At those <gasps> days, there were 150 in the United States. There weren't many. I'm sure it's grown. So, uh, and she's really dived more into the holistic practice in, in recent years. And so she ran that research study. Now, I will tell you, at those days, we're talking about 2003, in those days, this was, there wasn't much research on this topic. Now it's, you know, it's not mainstream, but there's a lot more research. The music I do now, like I talked about is lower, it's not all lower frequencies because it's not all left hand because what I have learned and you know, as trainers, as behaviorists that unless something new comes into our dog's environment, when we get them to stay calm, with music, whatever source, they, they'll stay calm until, you know, the mailman knocks at the door, so, you know, or they're driving through something and there's construction noise, whatever. But, um, so I start my recordings with, with left hand only. And the research I base this on is actually done more recent than the original research that I was involved in. So almost always in some of the speeches classical music is used because way back in 2001 Deborah Wells a behaviorist in Ireland did a research study in San Francisco showing that classical music compared to other kinds of music and a control group of no sound was more conducive of calming dogs in the shelter environment well by now, a lot of us know that, the less little more common knowledge, the challenges, and I get people all the time, and even shelters that say, oh, we play classical music, the station or this app all day long. Well, that's great, but classical music is broad. Mm -hmm. Classical music <laughs> ranges between 400 and 600 years, depending on you, who you ask. It ranges from one instrument of solo piano to 140 piece orchestra. And I can tell you that if you have a local station or like more like I listen to my classical music, what used to be my local station is now my app. But at certain times of the day, they are putting on music to charge the like mm. mid afternoon, they're putting on music to charge the human nervous system, which is not yeah. necessarily you don't want to be playing the 1812 overture for your dog with cannons blasting out or a big Mahler symphony or something that could actually frighten them. So, so saying that all classical music is the same is a little bit like saying, I'm going to drive from California to New York, and whether I drive in a pickup truck or a Tesla and have the same experience. You're not. There's going to be different experiences. So I am more of the curator of the right tempo of classical music, the right uh, instrument and the right, and piano isn't the only instrument, but it's one of them, uh, the right instrument and the right selections. It's not about dogs prefer Chopin or Vivaldi or Bach. It's more about the right curated prescription of music. Yeah, and look, I, I totally agree. I used to, when I was um, volunteering in a shelter and there was a section where they played classical music and oftentimes it was beautiful and relaxing, but really I, I would say 70 or more percent of the time it was 
some sort of screeching noise, um, you know, which, you know, Rimsky Korsakov or, you know, just exactly. something like, some exactly. opera guy, oh! right? <laughs> and it's like, that is not calming. <laughs> if it was grating on my nerves, I hate to think what it was doing to the dogs. <laughs> exactly. And then it can get, the dynamic range is enormous. So I was just in the recording studio finalizing the tracks for Dog on Calm Volume 1, my first album with this company. And you know, we did a lot to adjust the volume so that even though it's all pretty much on the soft side, that there's no chords that start that might startle a dog between transitions of tracks. It's really important. That's why I mean, we say um, don't put on the TV and go out because yeah. it is it can be startling, especially when the ads come on. They always seem louder for, for a start, but they can. Um, yeah, there's always some sort of startle noise in it that's could unsettle them as well. Sorry, Stacey, what were you going to say? Right. No, I was just going to say something really similar is that, you know, different people have different sounds that maybe they and their dogs prefer. And what I notice after watching, you know, all of the video footage that we, that we watch is those kind of outlier either volume or differences in, um, and I'm not going to use the right words because I'm not a musician, but like, like the higher pitch, maybe I'll be like, can we pick a different thing? Exactly. I had a, um, a client that was playing classical music for their dog when they went out and um, I asked them not to play it anymore because every time I saw a video, it, it was something like the, is it the 1812 or the bone? I was like, oh no, <laughs> no, please stop that. <laughs> Play something else. I think eventually she started playing reggae. Uh-huh. She said, if you find that quite soothing. So <laughs> who am I to argue? Um, Lisa, um, can you go a bit more into the science behind how it's calming the dogs? Like what what's going through their body, uh, you know, how it affects them? The goal is to calm their nervous system that relieves, you know, any anxiety issue comes out of a um, higher heart, you know, faster heart rate and, and um, things that cause stress. So in this case, I am taking a certain prescription of tempo. So my tempo is not actually, if you're familiar with my Through a Dog's Year recordings, it's actually not as slow. And there's two reasons for that. It's based on the more current research that said that slightly, it's still slow, it's still very calming, but just slightly faster. It's not like 40 beats per minute, but it's around 80 to 120 beats per minute. It's still calming for dogs. So it's the tempo and it's the instrument. So piano has the ability to play really low frequencies. The other instruments that would work are harp, and I might be missing some, but the ones I've researched are harp, guitar, piano, and cello, all as solo instruments. And all of those instruments often are solo instruments. I mean, can easily be solo instruments. I mean, I play chamber music with string players also, but in this case, it's solo. And so we just have the ability to to have lower frequencies. I play treble. I do music in my doggone calm recording with two hands also. But like I said, it starts with a lower frequency. So it's a combination of you know, the right tempo, the right instrument, and the right, really the right prescription of the curated classical music. I'll ask you, Lisa, when, when you say um, a prescription, what, what exactly do you mean by that? You know, I use that, that term, I heard, I, I presented at this fabulous 
dog behavior conference online a couple months ago. And I, Susan Wagner, who I mentioned earlier, the veterinary neurologist was one of the um, presenters. And she enlightened me that actually, she actually prescribes the music. So she prescribes clients to play the music for her patients, for the dogs, for a certain amount of time every day to help with prevention and also treatment of, of sound issues. I just, I have a new podcast, the My Zen Pet podcast. I just did, the last episode was about sound sen sensitivity in dogs. My awareness and observing a lot of homes with dogs, most people know if their dog is sound reactive because there's very visible signs. There's shaking, there's fear, there's barking with fireworks or with thunderstorms or construction noise. But most, if their dog is sound sensitive, I'm calling it, it's my own term of that sound sensitive would include the sound reactive, but the reactivity level is so minute to them that they aren't always aware of their dog's response to it that might be a health issue and that might be a behavior issue. And it can be a sound that we don't hear either. So this diverts a little bit from your question, Sarah, but it, it comes around to the answer, which is the prescription when I heard Dr. Susan Wagner prescribe this was like, wow, that's a great way of putting this because this could be a prescription for someone with a dog that they don't know whether their dog is sound sensitive. And very often, as you know, with all behavior issues, it starts little and it gets bigger and bigger and it, they get middle-aged and they get older and it gets more so. So the mm. sooner you can treat that, even if you don't see signs of it, it might, the dog might be sound sensitive, you don't know it or might not yet, uh, the sooner you can help that and music is, that's good for dogs is one of the ways of doing that. So when I was a guide dog puppy raiser for guide dogs for the blind, I mean, it's, it's obvious to all of us, but just to share in case it's not, when I was raising a puppy, one of the things we were taught is guide dog um, train um, raisers is when your dog hears a siren or a loud sound, reward him for quiet behavior, reward right. him. That's, you wanna build an association. That's a good thing when that happens. So, uh, and yeah, I hope that answered your question, Sarah. Mm -hmm. No, so it's interesting. I think for me, um, especially for sound sensitive dogs or um, dogs with separation anxiety that might react to noises outside that might disturb their resting or their ability to cope with being alone, having um, either noise, like um, white noise, brown noise, pink noise, um, or music on can really help with masking. And I think that is where I have seen the biggest effect from having music on. So with a separation anxiety dog, I wouldn't say that it has been my experience that you put on the music and all of a sudden they're okay with being alone, you know? Um, so I, I don't want to lead our listeners down that path, but I do think that um, a lot of times adding music or some kind of background sound can have that masking effect. And so the masking is not only drowning out the sound, but it's also 
um, some auditory things happen in our brains. And there, there's been studies on this, but I don't have a, I don't, I can get a, a link for our show notes for it. So I think that's really an interesting that you bring that up as well with the, um, with your guide dog experience. So um, Stacy, I actually don't think this music is for masking. So there, here's why is because when you have loud sounds, so I'm not talking about a sound that's three blocks away that you don't hear, but your dog's here, but let's say it's fireworks, thunderstorm, loud sound. You'd have to turn up the music, the classical music so loud. Thunderstorms yeah. and fireworks are really hard. Um, right. To, but to there's a masking effect, but um, right. cars driving by, people walking by, um, right. That sort of That's thing. why in my experience at observing dogs with this music, it's not about the masking. It's about conditioning them that the music means to be calming. So the same for separation anxiety. It's not about my dog is severe separation. You know, it's never a fast treatment. So mm -hmm. my dear dog is severe separation anxiety. I know I got this music. I'm going to just try that for him. Once in a while, you get lucky and that works that fast. But usually you have to do some training around it. And you you all know about the training. And you, if your listeners have been listening to your show, you know it takes a while to build that conditioning response. So what I suggest is that people take a sound survey of their home and, and really notice the sounds. This is gets more into discussion, not about separation anxiety, but about sound phobias and really see what they can do to diminish. What can, what, what sounds are in your control? What beeps? I have a Bluetooth back here that is off right now because there's this slight little buzz. So when I'm not using it, I unplug it. Doesn't bother me, but I have a senior dog and, and, uh, doesn't bother her yet, but I want to be preventive about that. So, you know, taking a sound survey, what can you turn off the sound of the buzzer of the washing machine? Because um, I've seen dogs who people think that their dogs are fearful of going into the garage and it doesn't turn out to be that at all. It's the buzzing of the dryer that goes off, you know, so they mm -hmm. can turn that off. But with separation anxiety, it's the same thing of conditioning your dog. So I, this music is very human friendly. It's very pet friendly. So it's something for you to enjoy together with your dog. I suggest listening together in quiet moments. So the dog builds an association that you're with her and build, build that feeling, build that emotional response to know that gradually as you go through your training protocol, which you provide to your listeners with that you take for, for dogs with separation anxiety, that music can be a part of the, it almost can be like, they can learn their conditioned response that it can be like their teddy bear, mm -hmm. their favorite stuffed animal, like their comfort, mm -hmm. if they build an association of that's with you. I was talking to a client yesterday, Lisa, and um, I was saying, yeah, you should probably, because the, the, they live in an apartment and, you know, there are external noises, which when they're doing their training um, for separation anxiety, they, it unsettles the dog. And I said, well, you know, I mentioned my Zen pets and we will link to that in the show notes, but I, um, you know, I asked, I said that it was, a bit, <clears throat> excuse me, a really good idea if they, they start playing that for the dog. But the thing that I really stressed to them was, I don't want you to just start doing the training, put the music on or put the music on and then leave. You need to, as you were saying, build that lovely association with the, with the dog, um, 
with you there first because otherwise it becomes a departure cue or a trigger you put the music on then you walk out the door then they associate the music with a negative as opposed to a positive so yeah mm. I just wanted to I thought it was important to warn them if you like that yeah they need to build exactly exactly I mean my dog knows so I mean not surprising my tripod comes out Gina's normal dog bed is still left for me here. My tripod comes out. She immediately goes to the dog bed by the piano because she knows, oh, we're on film. She wants me here. So it's the same thing. You know, you put the music on. It could be like putting your shoes on. Like that's your dog's cue. You're leaving. Yeah. So you want to build. But I create music that people love. So that's the good side. And the other thing to help really build the human animal response is when you build that conditioning response in your animal, I've this new music is not quite as slow as I mentioned as my old music not only based on research but also based on I wanted to create something that people could play for themselves while they leave their work so you're building that emotional bond with your dog you're playing it while you're at work and then your dog is listening to it at home and although your dog doesn't know what you're listening to it's I don't know about you but after 14 months of this pandemic where Gina, my dog, has never been separated from me. I got pretty anxious the first time I left her. So it was really helpful for me, in addition to the training I'm doing for her, for me to have a, have a calming response as well. I was just, just thinking, Lisa, of the, the conditioned response. I was um, There's a trainer that I know of who's in the north of England. She trains gun dogs. And one of the things she does with her puppies when they're quite young is when she's crate training them, and teaching them to go in the back of her vehicle she there's certain things that she does so she you know she'll give them a, a con with something nice in there and the other thing that she does is play certain music every time they go in the crate when they go to sleep so that when she puts them in the in the vehicle she plays yeah. the same music and she says and quite often the the combination of all those things together they will relax in the crate in the vehicle she thinks faster than they would have done without it so I can, you know, I can see where that conditioned response would come in there. I need to John, try definitely. that. <laughs> yeah, and you should hear I mean, my dogs in the back of the car. <laughs> <laughs> and if you've got, if you've got um, a set of, uh, again, I'm, I'm used, used to some musical terms, but if you've got a, a whole array of music and you know for a fact that at no point is that particular music, whether it be twenty minutes or ten hours, is gonna start screeching or wailing or doing all those things that you know that if you left the classical music channel on if you know that the the music's going to stay on a, a really nice even level kind of frequencies and things then you know that's that's got to be a good thing exactly exactly and it's i also recommend breaks like i know people um who play music 24 7 i don't recommend it i i like to have times of total I mean I live in a very quiet environment but I like to have times of, of quiet and in most environments even at New York City at nighttime you can find a time that's quiet so when I had uh with my prior company uh my piano playing unless something's changed and I don't know about my music is playing in over 1500 shelters 
worldwide. And oftentimes shelter staff would say, oh, we play it all night long. I said, well, you don't actually need it. When no one's coming in, there's nothing new in the environment. Give them a break. Play it all day long when there's a lot of excitement. You want to adopt out dogs and people want calm dogs. But at nighttime, I do suggest times that there's silence. Same mm. with the volume. I really want to mention that because so many people think it's about turning up the volume too loud. Your dog's hearing is so much better than yours. So you want to play it at a volume that is at least really comfortable for you. If you're using it for separation anxiety and you're doing the proper training protocol, make sure it's at a volume that if you left and you had it on all day long, you were okay with that volume. Mm. Do you, do you compose Lisa? I don't compose. I didn't, I had to compose a little at Juilliard. I, it was not my thing. That's <laughs> a whole nother career. <laughs> and that's not my thing. I, however, I did do some of these arrangements for left hand only that are on dog on com, the first volume coming out in June. So I did do, um, I did do some of those arrangements, but that was actually, yeah, I, I'm not a composer. I just, I love the works of the great masters of Bach and Chopin and Brahms and Beethoven. And, and uh, I'm very content with having so much music for 10 lifetimes to learn. Mm. That's a lot to learn. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're looking at um, scenarios like shelter dogs. Um, I know some of the studies, and I think that's maybe one of the drawbacks of a lot of the studies on music and dogs is that most of them are in kennels or lab environments or shelters and not in people's homes. So that's different than what our listeners would be looking to get out of music. But um, a lot of the, or some of the studies talk about um, kind of a habituation effect, whereas the longer that the dog is listening to this certain piece of music or a certain playlist, the calming effects um, are kind of minimized over time or decrease over time. So um, what would you suggest to our listeners in, you know, to kind of try to combat that? Um, I know that has been shown sometimes. I haven't found that by personal experience and all the thousands and thousands of people I heard with and working with for 10 years that once you build a conditioning response, it's there with me, like the woman who trains her puppies to go in the truck and they know that the music means to sleep. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's going to change over time. But, you know, let's assume that that has, you know, there's not, I don't, even if it's verified research, there's nothing that we can say that this works on every dog and this happens mm -hmm. to every dog. You know, every dog is different because I will tell you, there are dogs, everything I tell people not to do of play the music, you know, don't play the music if your dog is separated right when you leave. And sometimes it works. Dogs who have just, when the music was downloadable back before streaming was existed and people were in a severe thunderstorm and the dog is really thunder is like what do i do i've tried everything oh i found this music i'm going to download it and it just works so there are things that 
that's why when people say like, do dogs their favorite composers? It's like, it's not about that at all. So, but to answer your question, Stacey, I think it's important to pay attention to your dog because every dog is different. So try different things, try different music, try no sound sometimes, try a playlist, you know, give them variety, give them variety. So I think it's, every dog is different and it's our responsibility to really know our dogs and observe them and listen mm. to what they're telling us. Do you think there's a residual effect? So let's say perhaps you put some music on, your dog's conditioned to it, and you, you know, you put some music on, you went out, you come back, your dog's nice and relaxed, you turn the music off. Is there a kind of an ongoing residual effect from, from that calming um, feeling? You know, this they is have? totally anecdotal, but from my observation, yes. From my observation, because so they're the scenario you described there the music calms them when they're alone their person comes back they get excited because their person's back but it's excitement it's arousal it's not anxiety and then you know they love the person you know gina gets she goes bonkers when she sees me my <laughs> god and now she's here snoozing right so they're very comfortable so they get into that relaxation response so much faster now because there's no anxiety with you leaving them so i think um I think they, you know, as we know, all the energy gets transferred down the other end of the leash. So it's really important to create, I'm actually starting a thinking of starting a doggone calm club where I help people create quiet, calm environments at home and have you, the person, learn your conditioned calming response as well as your dog because, you know, they do pick up on our energy. That's really good. I would love to hear a piece if you've got one available to play for us. Sure. What do you, what do you think, girls? Yeah. yeah. Go for it. So I'm not going to say her name, but my black lab here is uh, been waiting for this. Ah. <laughs> By the piano. Um, this is the theme song from my podcast, my Zen Pet podcast. And um, this is the Vivaldi. So we were talking earlier about high frequencies and violin players. So Vivaldi Four Seasons is written for solo violin plus string orchestra. It's beautiful. I love it. Mm. I, my favorite performance is Joshua Bell. He's just, I just love his playing. He was conducting um, the orchestra from the violin and it's high frequencies. So this is not only arranged for piano, but I arranged it for left hand piano. So now all of the melody is in my thumb of my left hand. And it's, and it's a, um, a little, probably a slower tempo than you normally hear this piece, but not too slow. And it's left hand. So enjoy. If you end up falling asleep, if your listeners have dogs at home, <laughs> falling asleep, it's a <laughs> <It's> fine. <laughs>
feel like we should clap now <laughs> quietly. <laughs> you can silently clap so that the dogs don't wake up. <laughs> no, that's what I was thinking. I don't want to wake your dog up. <laughs> well, I I certainly felt relaxed listening to that. I don't know about the dogs. I think um, I think they looked pretty relaxed. One of them was sitting here yawning. Oh, good. Oh, good. Um, yeah, Gina's Gina started relaxed too. But um, I just want to mention one other thing about lower and higher frequencies. You know, a lot of us do this intuitively with our dogs. If we're saying, Gina, good girl, we're using a lower sound intuitively. We're speaking in musical terms, long legato lines. This piece was a lot of long legato lines. If we want to get our dog's attention, we go into higher frequency and, you know, and agility. We need to get our dog's attention fast and it's high pitched and it's short staccato sounds. And so a lot of that we do naturally without even thinking about it. But that's that's how basic a lot of it is, too. Mm -hmm. You made that look so easy, Lisa, even with your you left really hand. You really did. You really did. <laughs> um, one of the things that you've mentioned um, a fair number of times is this um, whole um, low frequency. And I know frequency and pitch are different, but they're correlated. Is that right? Like, so if you're at low frequency, you're also low lower pitch your low pitch yeah yeah so okay. I, I use you can use in this case you can use the term interchangeably yeah okay okay i just yeah. um I, i'm not a music person um yeah well that's I a was... question yeah, <laughs> i mean a lot um, of your listeners are not too yeah so yeah piano um, has, i think it's the widest range of all the instruments of okay. the ability to play so high and so low and so middle register and and it's one of the reasons why it's help you know most instruments violin trumpet tuba um cello they're just more limited in range that they can they can access the full range of of frequencies of of pitch you know so i shouldn't i shouldn't say interchangeably because pitch means like if you were playing a high a that's the pitch of that sound frequency is the higher you know i'm just talking in layman's terms so your listeners understand not music terms the you know higher sounds of the piano this is you know high this is high frequency the lower sounds down here are lower frequencies and then we have middle register here okay okay um i was looking at some of the the studies in um there's been actually like three or four new studies in 2020 and 2021 about music and dogs. And, and most of them are either saying that there's, you know, maybe like no difference in cortisol if that's what they're measuring or that there are some positive effects in, um, they would look at different behaviors. Like, so there might be more laying down. Um, but this one in 2021 uh, looked at the effects of music, pitch and tempo in um, on behavior in kenneled dogs, right? So basically they looked at high pitch, low pitch, fast tempo, slow tempo and, and a control. And um, so it, through reading through the study quickly, it looked like a well-designed study, although there were only 10 dogs. So it wasn't like, you know, a ton, but it did say surprisingly, like I was surprised at, 
at this, what seems like a conflict with what you see is that it said the low pitch had a statistically significant outcome of increasing alertness of dogs. Like, so higher tail carriage, less laying down, um, some more walking around and stuff like that. So I guess I'm just um, wondering, you know, obviously this would be something that we would want to see repeated before you made any changes, especially since you, you tend to really see positive effects from the lower pitch. Right. Um, but is there any reason that you could think of that they would have seen that or like any explanation that you can think of? So there's so many variables that can happen. One is what is the instrument playing the lower frequencies? What is the delivery system of that? So how is the sound quality can really make a difference? Where is it in relation to the dog's kennel? Um, what else is going on in the environment? So I, I you know, don't know in this case, but um, there is the volume. There are so many variables. That's why it's not that I don't trust the research. It's that that doesn't give me enough information. Right. right. So I'm going in as a 10 is a really small study. Yes, too. I so, totally agree. Um, so I'm going based on my experience and observation mm -hmm. and what I have uh, seen. And, and, you know, what we were talking about with our using our voices we all know this we all do this we you you know mm -hmm. if you it's not what you say to your dog as it's much as how you, how say, you it, say it to your dog that, that they're going to respond to so they're reading your pit they're hearing your pitch they're hearing your frequency they're hearing your staccato or legato shorter long sounds all that probably more important than your words. So I have learned so much. Oh my God, I'm a, I, I've been studying, I've been an agility student for so many years. And uh, the longer I'm in the sport, the more I learn about dog behavior. It's just, it's just, and when I first got into the first year, I was blown away to learn that I could say something to my dog, but if my shoulder movement moved, <laughs> They would read the body behavior yes. would come before the verbal. And 100%. like, I'm talking about it, our foot going this much this way would determine which obstacle they would take. It was just <laughs> mine at a high speed, like not <laughs> in slow time. Like it just like, it's unbelievable how much they pick up. So, mm. so that's why I think there are so many variables that not enough has been tested, but I'm thrilled that there's all this interest in this topic. Mm -hmm. So I'm yeah. actually on, you know, we were talking about TV earlier, not just playing the TV for your dog, but I'm actually on a show on June 12th um, on dog TV. It's about the new normal for our dogs post pandemic. And what can we do to help them? Because separation anxiety, as you know, is only going to escalate. And mm -hmm. I think, as you probably know, you know, so many dogs may not have gone into the pandemic with separation anxiety, but might be leaving the pandemic with separation anxiety. So, um, so that diverts a little bit, but it's, but it's, I think a lot is to be said of every dog is different. And just mm -hmm. like, I can't tell you, I've only, I have come across a lot of dogs in my life. So when I used to play concerts and I used to often stay these with these families or couples of beautiful homes with gorgeous pianos, there's, 
that was the only place I ever met one dog, a Dalmatian, who recognized particular composers. Oh, and wow. this dog is Dalmatian. He was probably about six years old at the time. And I was, I was there as a guest artist playing the Greek piano concerto with an orchestra, with a festival orchestra. And every time I play those opening chords, which were high pitched, high, you know, they're high A chords, he would come running from anywhere in the uh-huh. house and howl with delight. And he was like every day, repeatedly. They, they also had a parrot that would mimic that and it got pretty comical, but you know. <laughs> so, um, and he also left the room when I played Bach and Mozart. It was just, I, but, but of all the dogs ever. So if you put this research, if you put this dog in this research study, that would skew all the results. And I think you mentioned something really cool there is to, you know, try setting things up to allow your dog to vote with their feet, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Yeah. Every dog is different. So it's our responsibility to learn our dogs. You know, they do so much for us and they do anything to accommodate us. They do. That's it's in their DNA that this is what they do to adapt to our behavior. So it's our, it's important for us to change our human soundscape. So it's not only for humans, but it's also dog friendly. Um, I'll say, I'll say, Lisa, it, it makes me really happy to hear you say that, you know, that all dogs are different and that what may work for one dog may not work for another, because it's a real big thing for us as well as separation anxiety trainers, that it's not one size fits all. And there are definite parallels between what you're doing and what we're doing and that we are very, very big on saying to our owners, you know, you need to be able to watch your dogs. You need to know what your dog exhibits when they're showing anxiety you know it doesn't matter what the dog down the road does it's what your dog does and to develop really really good observational skills so it's it's um it is really nice to hear you saying that so thank you i yeah it's i'm glad that your work our work correlates in that in that way and it's it's so true because it's not about certain breeds like Chopin and certain breeds like Brahms and certain breeds like reggae. And so, <laughs> it's not about that all. It's what is your dog like? What is their mm-hmm. preference? Um, Lisa, you mentioned dog TV. Is that in America? Is it online? Where can people so watch dog this program? TV is, um, I will give you the link to the show notes in the show to add to the show notes. It's a um, subscription channel, but I actually have a, um, I should be getting it today or tomorrow, a promotion for a free month at Dog TV, but this show is actually free. So I'll get you the, the link to that. And it's airing June 12th at one Pacific. It's in nine countries. I don't know all the nine countries that started in the United States. And it's, I don't know if it's in Australia and I think it's in the UK, but I would imagine it's in Australia, but I know it's nine countries. So I will, I will look that up and get information to you. I know that early on when they were looking at um, adding music to shelters and kennel environments and even some vets and stuff like that, they were like advising against, they were advising against um, like using MP3s because that um, squashed it. 
like so you would lose some of the upper the and lower frequencies Squ right. compressed is a much better word squashed <laughs> is, is definitely a spacey word <laughs> um so can you talk about that and and what our listeners need to know to make sure that they're providing the music in a way that is useful for their dogs right so that's another area where every dog is different but in general we think oh it doesn't matter just play the music on your phone for some yeah. dogs it doesn't matter and for some dogs they need better um sound so you know the whole music industry is um i was talking to my audio engineer when i was in the studio working all day on saturday and we were he, you know, subscribes to Amazon Music because they have the option to upgrade to higher quality. So the whole mm -hmm. streaming music, you know, this is the reason why people buy vinyls still are mm -hmm. going back to buying vinyls because the sound quality is better. So every the CDs, everything got compressed and streaming. And then, you know, you can have better sound systems with some are better than others, of course. And some dogs, it really matters. And some dogs, it doesn't. I, I, I will give you a different answer today than I would have two months ago I would have told you two months ago that you know it matters for all dogs and get a better sound equipment and then I've been playing this music um on clubhouse so I've been doing a weekly mm -hmm. dog on com concert and I didn't know I just thought I would try it and people are telling me which it's the sound is is okay but it's not great and and soundhouse uh, clubhouse does keep making improvements so it's is i started it when they improved their sound now it's even better but um but it's still not going to be as as good as other sources and um people are sending me videos of their dogs just within 30 seconds just snoozing i mean and starting with a high arousal and then going to snoozing so what do i know i mean it's like you have to observe your dog yeah, um, I think I heard you play on Clubhouse as well. So and and your podcast as well, um, which is yeah, it's it's there's something you know listening to that lower frequency music. I mean, I definitely can feel myself calming down, uh, and I've got like pretty full on dogs, so yeah, you I do. Think, <laughs> I, yeah. I think I need to uh, play them some more music. Actually, they're, it's course. funny. They're really calm this morning. Like normally, they're <laughs> they're having a little wrestle on the bed and being idiots, but they're they're all just kind of chilled out at the moment, which is good. The music worked, but of course, they pick up on your energy too. You know? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what was the other thing you mentioned? You mentioned, I mean, you've got my Zen pet. So, um, so have you got a room on Clubhouse? Is that? Um, I have a My Zen Pet Club on Clubhouse. So that's yes, I do right, a club, yes. Most, sorry, yeah. Not every, but most Fridays at 5 Pacific. I don't know what time that is in Australia, but it's your Saturday afternoon, I think, early afternoon. Yeah. And, and then, um, so it's just a way to start your weekend in a Zen state of mind and cuddle up on the sofa with your dogs at home. And um, although I am looking to get is uh looking to play in other clubs there too and i'll be doing that soon as well so yeah. basically the things i have going on are, are the two dog tv upcoming specials so one is june 12th which is on the new normal and then one july 4th weekend with victoria stillwell i'll be we she's uh you know i'm just added onto her special but it's on fireworks because that's our big holiday here with with july 4th weekend with all the fireworks which you know can be the they've already started it's june 
second today and I already heard them last night. So they're already starting. So, and what, you know, we can do to help our dogs with sound phobias around firework sounds. And um, then, but the biggest thing is my new album with this new company called Dog on Calm Volume One. I have three volumes coming out. The first one will be released on all streaming channels June 25th. What is it? Dog on Calm? Dog Gone Calm Volume Dog, One. Dog Gone Calm. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. So send me the. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Okay. And of course, you've got your My Zen Pet podcast as well. My Zen Pet podcast, and so it's a micro podcast. So what that means is episodes are about five to seven minutes. They're short. Oh. They're twice a week. I I release them on early morning. Uh, Monday and Friday in in the United States and they're short and it's one music track from one of the volumes of Doggone Comedy of three coming out from one of the volumes and one um, Zen behavior I'm starting to call it a behavior chip so that could be something an example would be going for a silent meditation walk with your dog and another example could be um noticing like i talked about earlier your sound and taking a sound survey what can you control in your sound environment it's about how to create zen relationship with your dog and all sorts of tips on how to do that so that's they're they're really short you're in and out fast but people tell me even that one clip with you know whatever they're listening to their podcast on really helps their dogs is that available on all the usual platforms the Doggone.com volume one will be available on everything starting June 25th. And so, you know, Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple, all, all of them. And um, there's a pre-release of one track, which should be available June 11th. So it's actually the track I just, above all the I just played. So that will be available for download as a single track um, June 11th, but the full album. So all of this is also on my website. And, and I am... Highly considering starting this doggone calm club where we work on these Zen behavior tips of things we do together with our to help our create a calming environment for our dogs at home and out in nature as well and things that help us. And so if you're interested in that, um, I'm on all the social channels and people can find me. <laughs> can people download the, the actual music to play it themselves? I mean, I've got a few friends who play piano who also have dogs. And I, I think I, I know one in particular will be quite interested in playing some stuff herself. Yes. Is, so, can you do so, yeah, of course. So you know how, you know, things are labeled dog friendly. This is also human friendly. So <laughs> this, this is also people friendly. So currently, as of today, right now, if you go to myzenpet.com, there's a free playlist. It's a 19 minute playlist and your listeners can download that. I say currently because once the music on streaming, that's going to change just something else that's going to be free but uh right now there's a free playlist they can download and start listening you don't need to have a dog to enjoy it no i, I meant um sorry i meant if she wanted to play actually play the arrangement play the piano play the piano um yeah. so, some of it she'll know some of it even oh. even i didn't know so some of it, i found an obscure Chopin piece i didn't even know so some of it she can easily find the Chopin music i haven't yet published I have a few arrangements of my own for left hand. Most of it is, you know, Chopin you can find and, and um, mm -hmm. Schumann you can, she'll be able to find easily. But uh, there's a few arrangements. 
of that I've done. And then there's a new composition written for dogs by an AKC agility judge, Zach Goebuck Davis. He wrote the first piece. It may not be the first piece, but he, he wrote a beautiful nocturne for dogs and uh, that's on there. So that's, those are the only unpublished works. Every, everything else you'll be able to find published. The question that kind of popped into my head as we're kind of going through this, and I'm just trying to digest it alongside some of the studies that are out there, is I wonder how much of the studies are relying kind of on a automatic response to it, um, to the music or to whatever their sounds are. Um, versus kind intentionally creating a positive conditioned emotional response. Like I think, you know, those are, can be two different things, right? Or they can have some overlap. They can so, have some overlap, yes. Right, so when you're working with um, your clients or people on social media, are you walking them through creating a positive conditioned emotional response to the music? Or are you seeing that dogs are just naturally responding by offering behaviors that are consistent with what we would consider calmness? Right. I am, by the time the streaming is out, I will have a page on my website and my zenpet.com um, about this, like how training uh, conditions and, and training tips for how to use music. Right now, what I'm encouraging people to do is start listening together, start enjoying the music together and using that almost like a prescription, like 30 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day, however long, you know, really listening to that music. And, and when you join my email list, there's also, um, even with my free playlist, I send you information on how to create it on, on a loop. So it, it can play mm -hmm. continuously. But so I do suggest that that's, you know, keep it simple, bring some calm into your environment and then start listening together. Okay. Yeah. The, the other thing, Stacy, I just thought I never had once occurred to me, but when you're talking about, you know, so much of this testing is in the shelter environment, you yeah. know, here's another thing we don't know where the dog's history like maybe they have an association with this music you know we don't know that also in a shelter environment the dogs are likely in a different place emotionally than the dogs in our homes right, right. so our you know i've fostered in the past and when a dog comes from the shelter, it takes minimum three days for that dog to be, to kind of decompress, right? So you're taking a dog possibly at its worst mental state and exposing it to the calming effects of music or, you know, I'm, they've done tests with DAP or lavender or, you know, things like that. And it's kind of like, well, that ship had, has a, a, not that it can't help, but that ship is like a little bit sailed, right? <laughs> because right, right. the behavior is, is more extreme. And so it will be harder for those types of therapeutic options to work fully because you're, you're getting them when the dogs have already um, reached a 
um, I, I don't want to say like uh, over threshold because we, we don't know that, but they, they definitely are more stressed than most dogs in homes are. Right. But however, is I think the opposite could be true also because those are the dogs who need it the most. So I have often found that with music I'm playing for dogs, that dogs who, who, who are most sound reactive react the fastest. Hmm. Dogs That's- who are, I talked in my episode that aired Monday, aired May 31st, um, about my sister's dog who was very, who came from a shelter, was five years old when they adopted her and she was sound sensitive, but her, I knew that before my sister's family, who's, you know, just hasn't been in this field. So hasn't studied it as well as I did, but I was visiting and I noticed how sound sensitive she was. And most, so that was my point earlier. Like a lot of people mm-hmm. don't necessarily see that because the signs are so subtle. And so right. sometimes with more subtle sound sensitivity, they are like with Stella, she was building a response to the music that that I play that she was listening to but my sister didn't notice it because it was subtle so as we all know with our I'm not you with your dog training clients it's like some of those signs that you're seeing it's are so subtle when I at the beginning when I was talking about my uh, I didn't play for two years with my right hand in public because I was recovering from four surgeries to heal seven fractures I had, and I fired the first hand therapist that told me I would never play again. I <laughs> stayed with the second hand therapist and brought her into retirement. I stayed with her for 186 hand therapy sessions because oh, wow. she taught me little by little adds up. Mm-hmm. And that's what I focused on. Every hand exercise, every hour of every waking moment, I, my hand was stretching and it was little by little. And that's the same thing with our reactive dogs, with our dogs mm-hmm. with separation anxiety, with our dogs with sound um, reactivity and sound sensitivity is noticing the little by little is so important. And for the people to reward the littlest bits of improvement. And it was very mm-hmm. similar to my hand recovery. I think we should do some citizen science and, uh, and play music for our dogs and then uh, regroup next week and see what we think. Yes, absolutely. Especially especially Ness with the nutty Malinois. (laughs) When I load them in the car to take them down the park in the morning, by the time I'm, they, I turn a certain corner and they just start carrying on. One of them will start, and the other two will start. uh, So yeah, I think I need to play. I need to play some my Zen pet on the way to the park. But But not at first. Start playing at home first. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah I'll, i will i'll try it this week and report back <laughs> fabulous well wow that was an episode so in some nation i love that word thank you stacy um not all dogs are the same so we wouldn't expect them to have the same reaction to any music and it's also great for you to try it at different volumes try different mediums whether that be an mp3 player or through your tele through your telephone uh through your <laughs> through your phone or your ipod um or whatever medium you've got at home 
and to start with bar vibes. So start at home together, start playing music in a nice relaxed atmosphere so that you can create some nice conditioned responses around the music. So I think um, all of us can give our guest, Lisa Spector, a very hearty thank you for joining us. It's been absolutely fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, um, brilliant. Yeah, really good. Thank you so much. Yes, thanks. So thank, you, thank you. It was such a pleasure for me to be here. Thank you. I loved our conversation. Thank you. It's been great listening to you. So you've been listening to Tales from the Doghouse. Uh, separation anxiety explained and our guest this evening has been Lisa Spector um, from My Zen Pit so I'm sure we'll have show notes that'll tell you where you can find her and where you can listen to all her podcasts and very other uh, media outlets is that a word? That's the word we'll go for that one <laughs> so you've been listening to me Sarah McLaren um, I'm in the UK with Separation Anxiety Solutions you can find me on Instagram and on my website www.separationanxietysolutions.com and on Facebook I am Stacy Bell with Focused Fun you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Focused Fun Dogs and my website is focusedfun.net and i am in the u.s and i'm miss jones i'm from separation anxiety in dogs decoded in australia if you need help from a specialist with a dog with separation anxiety please reach out to one of us we are here to help and guide you and hold your hands through the process thanks once again to lisa it's been amazing having you on the show it's just been wonderful um you've got so much to offer the pet world i think um Please, everybody, if you're listening to this and you like us, give us a five-star review on Apple. Share us with your friends. You can find us on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, and other awesome listening apps. See you next week. <laughs> Bye. 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 Thanks again. Bye.